With a football team in the yellow and green, Florence City is our name. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, with my one co-host, Michael Nowen. We have another great show for you today. Before that, please take a moment, hit the bell, and subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you guys find your podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at the SLScreamers underscore pod. Uh, today, we're continuing our mini-series of the Hooligan Half Hour, where we interview Premier League fan bases on this side of the Atlantic. So without further ado, we want to welcome James Coplin of the New York Canaries to the show. Woohoo! Let's go! <laughs> Come on, you yellows! <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself, James, you know, how you started supporting Norwich, all, all that kind of stuff. Well, I don't think you start if you kind of get born into it, right? So <laughs> first thing you know is you, you, you crawl across that mat and look in a mirror and suddenly you're wearing like a bright green baby grow and then it's all over. So, um, yeah, you know, my dad was a Norwich fan and so... Um, you know, being from Norwich, it just it was in the blood. Uh, granddad as well, and that was that. So, um, yeah, that was how I became a Norwich fan. And then um, just you know, it's one of those clubs that uh, if you're from Norwich, it, it just it's it's such a great community and, and family oriented club that you mm-hmm. you can't help but love it. So as you're growing up, it's just uh, it's always there, and you always want to go, and and uh, you know, it's it's in the blood. So, question for you. Because I think some of the people that listen to this might not necessarily like they know who Norwich is as a club, but they might not know Norwich as a community. It sounds like you've grown up there. How would you describe the community as a whole? Kind of curious to learn a little bit more about that in general as well. Yeah, it's not, you know, if you if you grew up in a place like London, you, you've got a choice of, you know, about 10 different football teams. Uh, so mm-hmm. it, it's it's very different to that. There is there is there is only one team in Norfolk and that's Norwich. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like you can shop around and say, oh, yeah, maybe I'll go to Brentford or you know Chelsea <laughs> or Fulham. Like it's 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 Norwich and everything, and and, and the club is very much a, a centerpiece of the culture of the city. Really, um, mm-hmm. even people that don't go, uh, they they keep an eye on the results, and you know they they talk about the football club, and it's, it's very much a centerpiece. Um, so as a city, Norwich is um, a fantastic place, very much a mixture of the old and the new. Uh, you know, three-story shopping malls built between, uh, built underneath a thousand-year-old castle. Um, you know, oh, that's cool. It's, yeah, it's it's really <laughs> neat, but it's a very nice balance as a city of, uh, of the old and the new to respect the history, but at the same time be a modern city. Um, so that's about that on on the city itself. But uh, culturally, you know, again, it's like the club is the centerpiece. People love the football club and and everything about it, and we're, we're very lucky because the club is actually run by an awesome bunch of people um, who also care as much as the fans do. So it's, it's like one big family. Interesting. That's pretty awesome. What, um, so you're saying like, all right, for, like here in the States, a lot of people, like if you live in New Jersey, for instance, you could be a New York Jets fan, New York Giants fan. You could be a Philadelphia Eagles fan. You could be a Dallas Cowboy fan just cause like all the TV rights are different. And it doesn't really matter. Right? Like being local to the club and be, or like from like the area that they're from, is it different over in England with like the, with the football clubs? Yeah, I mean, you've got 92 professional teams, right? So kind of every city or town has a team. Um, and then outside of that, there's the non-league team. So it's mm-hmm. it's very different. I, I always hear people talk about here about, you know, um, a lot of the banter or, or maybe the occasional trouble that breaks out at games or definitely used to break out in the 80s and early 90s. But people talk about well, the rivalries. But it's very different here. You'll have a team like the Yankees or 
a team like the Red Bulls or whatever sport it is, you've got three whole states full of towns and cities that support this one team. Yeah. You know, we, we're very passionate about one team and 40 miles that way is another team. And of course we hate them. So <laughs> well, that way is another team. So it's very, very much close. It's all about local pride and passion. It's, it's kind of different here. I feel like those rivalries are very much, um, they're, 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 they're kind of weak, weak gravy uh, compared <laughs> to English ones because, you know, it's just, there's so many different fans and, and it's so far apart and it's just people kind of don't seem to care as much about it as they do um, in England. For instance, Let's if you've got the Yankees Red Sox games, it's just everyone's mixed together. I was going to say, know. what's the closest rivalry even in comparison then? If that's a we, I didn't realize I was in such a weak gravy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, I, I guess people talk a lot about Yankees and Red Sox as being this fierce rivalry. I uh-huh. mean, you know, it's just, to me, that's really funny because if you, you sit in a stadium, everyone's next to each other and it's <laughs> really, you know, sharing popcorn. You would never find that at a Norwich Ipswich game. Um, in fact, they have to stay behind before, you know, before we let them out again. Or And the same when we go there and they bring police horses in from Nottingham and London to help out with that game. And it's a, it's a you know, not that there's any trouble, but it's uh-huh. it, passions run run high, and you never know something on the pitch or a decision or something that happens might mm. spark a little bit of a overzealous <laughs> response from certain people. But um, yeah, there's, there's, it's very different the, the rivalries and the you know I was just this past weekend at the NYCFC Red Bulls game, um, mm-hmm. and you know it's again very 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 weak rivalry compared to what we're used to. The MLS is to let's. <laughs> It's nowhere near that level, but definitely. I would, yeah. I'm just trying to think of anything remotely close, and I would have to say maybe like – I'm trying to think, Steve, maybe like – UNC like, and Duke was the, the closest that came to my mind in college. Yeah, where people just cannot sit near each other. But and they're eight, eight minutes, eight miles apart or whatever it is. That's the only thing I can think of, honestly. Yeah. Nope, never seen that one, so I'll have to look out for it. Yeah. So question for you. Since you've been supporting Norwich, um, we haven't gotten to how long exactly – but since that point on, what's been the fondest memory of the club so far? Can you kind of walk us through the best moments that you've had as a Norwich fan? Um, lots of ups and downs, that's for sure. Um, we're, it's never we, a goal. Know, <laughs> probably well aware we, we go up and we come down and we go up again. Um, yeah. But uh, that's kind of our, our story at the moment is a, is a little bit of a yo-yo thing. We try to hopefully resolve mm. that this year stay up. But yeah. Um, mm uh it's been varied i mean we've across our history we've done some spectacular things you know we we, we're the only team uh in british history to beat Bayern munich at the olympic stadium um i think that stadium was there for like 40 years and and we only teams to do it so there's there's a little piece of history um you know my some of my favorite moments have been actually one of my favorite moments was a game we lost at the playoff final in cardiff I, i just fondly remember um you know, dyeing my hair green that morning and being very excited to go to the game and hang out on the street with everybody beforehand. I was, you know, very early 20s, so it was a, a fond memory. So it's, there's lots of them. Um, we tend to, you tend to enjoy the good times and then, you know, mm. the bad times come along, but we've, we've had so many good times. You know, I, I personally take them with a pinch of salt. So it's like, you, you know, you know that if you go down again, there's a good chance you can come back up again and then you'll have another fantastic season where you lose like six games. So, um, you know, lots, lots to enjoy. Um, I, I try not to take the Premier League losses too too hard uh, mm. because, as I said, it's like you know we've had we've been lucky and had so many good 
um, wins and so much success in the last few years, um, bouncing backwards and forwards. It's, uh, you know, some clubs will, will stay down and, and never come back up. So um, mm. I have to say we've been pretty lucky in that respect. Like Ipswich. <laughs> like Ipswich. And they can stay down. In fact, <laughs> that was something actually I wanted to to bring up too because I know you were talking about like a lot of the highs and obviously last season getting promoted something that's super awesome and not even just the way that you not the fact that you got promoted but the way you did and the way that Norwich was able to come up and some of the young players that they were able to integrate into that team who, who did phenomenally well right and I was kind of curious from your perspective how was it kind of watching that season unfold, kind of knowing, you know, from the beginning or even from the middle part, like, hey, like there's like a real probability and a real chance we're going to go up. And, you know, has that when you were coming into this season, did you have like pretty high expectations initially? And how is that like translated? Yeah, I think um, last season was a little bit, it, we were expected to do well, right? Mm -hmm. Because we'd gone down, we'd kept most of our players together and we had previous. We knew with pretty much a, a similar group of players or a lot of the same players, We'd done it before, um, so we knew that the manager was capable of it. We knew the players were capable of it, and um, I, I kind of expected us to be in the top six mix. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think I expect us to win it outright like we did. Um, yeah. But um, just a fantastic season, really. It's you know, you know, it's a, a great bunch of lads. They really, it's a mixture of of, of players that have been brought in that have been very cleverly scouted. Mm -hmm. um, that team. Um, you know, the likes of Buendia, who now is at Aston Villa, you know, that we found him. Our scouts found him for... Oh, hang on a second, Alexa. Alexa, stop. Sorry, she'll do that sometimes. I'm always sure eavesdropping. <laughs> always, right? Uh, so, you know, we found players like Buendia for like 1.5 million, uh, languishing yeah. in like the Spanish second division. I think at the time I was he was a little bit overweight and and, you know, we turned that guy into, I say we, you know, Barker and co and mm -hmm. they just turned that guy into an absolute stud who ended up moving for about 33 million, but not before, you know, scoring a bunch of goals and creating a bunch of assists. So um, clever scouting and putting a lot of faith in youth players like Todd Campwell to mm -hmm. come through the team has, has, has been key, you know, Max Aaron's Ben mm -hmm. Godfrey at Everton. They've been very much key to the success. And I think, um, while we don't spend a large amount of money, um, we've spent quite a lot this year when we came out to the Premier League. But in the past, we've, we've stuck to our blueprint, which has been good scouting, faith in the youth system. Um, you know, the club is more important than, than mm. getting yourself into debt to, to, to chase glory. So um, being self-sustainable has been a model that we've, I think a lot of clubs are envious of. Obviously, it's very different now when you get into the Premier League and you've got shakes throwing billions of dollars at things and you know you're never going to compete um you know it's it's one of those that's why i say i take the premier league a little bit with a pinch of salt because mm. you'll never we're never going to compete with those those kind of teams you'll never back in the early 90s you know you had a you had a chance right you'd, you'd go up and you'd, you'd have a chance at finishing in the top six or going to europe now it's 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 completely outside for anyone outside of those top six clubs because it's happened recently let's not forget Leicester but well you know a lot of people <laughs> talk about Leicester as the surprise package but they also that year spent a ton of money you know yeah. I think a lot of people look don't look past that um that they did spend a ton of money and they were at the mm -hmm. time um also and they still are also really heavily bankrolled by a, by yeah. a very rich person very rich family so yeah 
That's true. What's your out of curiosity then? What's your what's your take on the Newcastle uh, takeover? I hate it, um, and it's not just because you know it's not just because it's the money, and I think it's spoiling the game, um, which it is because it's creating an, an, another tier that, mm. that just anyone else is com- completely can't be competitive, especially when you're trying to live beyond your means, you know, live within your means, and and there's a club that's living beyond their means and just throwing money at it. Um, but I think the Newcastle one is, is a little different to the Man City or Liverpool or any other clubs that that have rich owners. I think mm. this one was was, was you know, is a little bit of a political uh, shit show, to be honest with you. I think, you know, the fact that it was allowed to happen is a disgrace, especially when you look at a country like Saudi Arabia that has really shitty human rights. Um, yeah. Terrible, terrible human rights. Been involved in murder of journalists. Yeah. Um, owns women, you know, yeah. throws gay people in prison. It's shocking that the Premier League would even allow them to, or even entertain the idea to let, you know, them take over a football club and essentially that's exactly what's happened i i totally agree i think it's interesting too like especially not to go down a black hole and a rabbit hole because obviously we're here to talk about norwich but the fact that you know with the super league and everything and that massive outcry by not only just like you know the fans of the teams who are involved in that and the way the premier league and all the other uh What's the word I'm looking for? Delegations, I guess. So like, you know, whether it was like UEFA, FIFA, so on. So like the way they responded to that, um, to kind of see them come in and just let it, like you said, just happen and not really think about it and think about the consequences, I thought was pretty, pretty mind boggling personally. But, you know, at this yeah, point. Yeah, and it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it is. Washing, but it's incredible <laughs> yeah. how people very easily forget all that stuff. Um, I know. When they start thinking about the, the you know, the players they're probably going to sign. Um it's, yeah. it's you know the money is becomes more important than anything else which is really really sad yeah yeah it'll be an interesting january window for them but let's get let's get back to norwich what do you think what's kind of the expectations for the rest of the season you think do you know i don't know this season i i still feel like our season hasn't started yet it's mm-hmm. um it's been such a strange one um i think completely was unfair how the fixture list that we had so, <laughs> we, we brought that up like four times over on this, on this i mean it, shit. it was truly brutal um on top of having some you know some games canceled in preseason because of covid yeah um, we then came in to the season um with a completely foreign formation to when we played before you know we Fark had been very successful with a 4-2-3-1. That's how we've played for the last, we played the last time in the Premier League, last two championship campaigns. Um, it was very successful. The first time we went up, conceded a lot of goals. Um, mm-hmm. It was more about a personnel thing, not having good enough players to play that system. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the championship, we were conceded a lot less goals with that system last year with the personnel we had. We came up and rather than sticking with it, um, you know, we, we started playing a 4-3-3. And I think that's the one thing, you know, I love Daniel Farker. It's the one thing that I didn't like was that change to that shape. Um, you know, off the ball, the team looked lost. They didn't know, you know, who they were marking, who they were chasing, what spaces they were covering. And it's bad enough when you have a new system to play, let alone when you, you're playing Liverpool, then Man City, and then Leicester <laughs> and Arsenal. Um, I actually didn't think... You know, obviously people only pay attention to the win column, but mm-hmm. I didn't think they were terrible against Arsenal or no. uh, Leicester. I think we just, you know, it was, it was a one-goal difference. Um, Watford was unacceptable. That was a really poor performance. Um, Everton wasn't great, um, but again, changed the system. And now we're playing three at the back um, with three kind of very um, 
defensive-minded midfielders um, behind the two forwards, um, which I, you know, I think that might be the best approach right now uh, as we try and steady the ship. Um, but he's, I think he's going to have to pepper in some creativity because right now there's very little um, creativity feeding the front line. Uh, it, it's defensively sound now. We haven't conceded the goal in two games, mm. but we also haven't scored one. So it's there's a lot of talent sitting on the bench, a lot of money spent sitting on the bench that isn't in the side that's going to need to find its way in and also keep that balance of not being not conceding goals and being soft. So it'll be interesting to see how he deals with that now over the next few games. Um, but uh, it, it really feels that the season's kicking off for us now. You know, things are starting to settle a little bit. And uh, was know, there... Was there a reason he changed the formation or that was like ever like explained or was it just something like, Hey, we want to try something new. We're in the Premier League again for the second time. The first time around might may have not worked and we need to do something to kind of steady or stand whatever else was happening. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it was, it's largely because a lot of teams in the Premier League play that way now. Um, you know, four, two, three, one used to be very popular with every team in the Premier League. Now a lot of teams will play three at the back or a lot of teams will play a four, three, three, mm. um, including Man City and, Mm-hmm. And some of the top teams. So, in his mind, maybe he was going to match them, um, mm-hmm. and that was how I was going to go about things. But uh, you know, I will have to see. You know, as I said, it's like notoriously he's a slow starter anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, even the seasons we've won in, in the championship, we we started slowly, um, and then you throw in the COVID games and yeah. the you know the brutal start. Um, I think it's been it's been a little bit of a tough start, but we're starting to, to settle now, and I think um, we'll we'll start to see some improvements. Where do you, where do you think in the squad you could use the biggest boost midfield? Yeah, I, you know it's there's some new players come in that I really 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 like. Matthias Norman looks like he's an absolute money. Um, he's going to be very important going forward. Um, Pierre Lees Malou doesn't look, look look that bad. He looks okay uh, to me. He hasn't you know set the world alight. Um, but we play, you know, those two along with Kenny McLean the last few games in, in a midfield three. And then, you know, you have Sargent and Pookie up top. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just feels like there's a, a little bit of a lack of creativity, especially when you have players like Campwell and Jolis and Rashitza, you know, Dowell, all these players that mm-hmm. they're sitting around that, that, that really are there to create goals. Um, th- those guys, you're going to have to start peppering them in to be to, to find the goals because I can't see that midfield digging out too many assists. From what I've seen so far, um, from, from what I've noticed, at least about Norwich, I don't think they played Rashidza too much, have they? From my understanding, and we started, we started when, when we were, yeah. yeah, when we were yeah. playing a four-three-three, there was a lot more of a creative, you know, because when then we were could bad. see more goals. When he was at Verder with Sargent, I mean, he was, you know, a, a workhorse on that team. And granted, they were in a relegation battle and whatnot, but it, you would think, like, for a player of his quality especially, too, like, he should be and would be getting more opportunity, more chances, and he should be creating more from that place from to your point. So I think you will. I, I just yeah. – I, I think it's one of those things where we were conceding too many goals and yeah. we were very soft. And, you know, the three-man the three man midfield now is designed to stop the rock. Um, just to not concede goals and then build on that. Um, but, you know, as you said, it's like he, he's he's not there to sit on the bench and he's, he's a good player and mm-hmm. he, he needs to find his way in the team. But then again, so does, um, so does Campwell. Campwell yeah. is a phenomenal football player. You know, he's a, he's a, he finds space, he links play. Um, 
it, it drags players away so other players can take space. He's, you know, it's an excellent, excellent footballer. He's going to have to find his way into the team as well. I got you. So do you think it's more on like the, the manager? Or do you think he's doing the right thing, right in the ship, getting the, like the clean sheets now and then working on the attack going forward? Yeah, I think that's it. I think it's, I think it's like, let's, let's not get hammered. Let's, let's solidify things defensively and then slowly build pepper in some creative players, um, you know, to, to, into that team. So I, I think that's, what's going to happen. I don't think we'll see, you know, we've, we've got Chelsea next at the bridge. So that's going to be, um, a case of more of the same. I don't think he's going to change it. I think it'll be the same team that started the last game. I think it'll be, you know, let's not concede and let's see how we do. Um, just, you know, try and get a good performance out of it before we, we face some games that we can we, we can win. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you almost took all three points from, from the Brighton match anyway. I, Sergeant easily, yeah, should easily should have buried that. <laughs> well, definitely one, if not two of them, so. Yeah, no, I, I'm a massive Sergeant fan. I think he's awesome. Um, he's work for it. I love players that work hard, and he's he's my type of player because he's just doesn't stop running, doesn't stop closing down. You know, hungry. He just lacks confidence, and I'm not yep. surprised. I mean, he was he was in the last um, U.S. squad. Um, I think it's the the, the the last the World Cup yeah. we just had, um, and you know, he was taken out in one of the games after 45 minutes and kind of made a scapegoat. Um, traveled all the way around the world and then came back. And I, I don't think he's he's got confidence right now. Um, yeah. It certainly doesn't look like it when you you snatch at that empty net like he did yeah. um, on Saturday. But you know, I think I think he's he's, he's going to get his confidence and he'll score goals. He, he looks like he's he's 21 as well. Let's remember he's still a kid, um, and, and you know he's got plenty of time on his side. Gotcha, gotcha. Who um. So, I mean, we've talked about so many different players already. Who's been the most fun to watch so far for you, at least? Uh, this season? Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't say any of our performances would inspire me to use the word fun. But <laughs> I, I, would, I would definitely say Sergeant's been – I like watching Sergeant. You know, I, I like to see players really get stuck in and, and work hard. Um, Matthias Norman as well. I think he's he's one of those defensive players that has also got an eye for an assist or a clever pass mm -hmm. um, or, or a little trick. Um, he's he's been very good to watch as well. I think you know he's one to watch for, for anyone that, that wants to see a decent player in the Premier League. Mm -hmm. um, but apart from that, we've you know as I said, it feels like we're just starting to play well now, starting to look like we're going to build on something as a part to get you know as a, as a Apart from getting hammered five 0 every week, you know, opposed to that, which is what we've been, we kind of started the season with with Liverpool and Man City, and you know, you guys got put into a gauntlet. It was not fair. <laughs> yeah, beginning. it was pretty tough. But you know what? You got to play them sometime, and I, yeah. yeah, might as well get it done early. <laughs> That's right. Get it out of the way. Now we can go win the league, right? Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Qualify for Europe, right? <laughs> So with that said, too, I mean, it's not like you're just looking at the the standings, at least right now, too. Like, Burnley's at three, Newcastle's at three. They, obviously, Newcastle's going to have their issues, and I'm sure in the, the window they'll probably spend a little bit. But and in all honesty, and we've been talking about this, too, it's not like there isn't a possibility where there could be like a, a four or five game run where it's just solid points, solid games that come out of that, whether it's like eight or nine points here, something along those lines out of that. And, you know, very quickly, you can – Norwich could be potentially out of that relegation race. So there's every opportunity and at the end of the day. So the season's still young, but. 
yeah i think we've actually been lucky that there's a lot of shitty teams in there that haven't done anything um you know i think uh we've been lucky in that respect because if we can put something together now mm. you just said one or two wins and suddenly you're mid table it's not you know it's not it, it's certainly achievable as long as we but we, we're going to have to start putting those wins together sooner rather than later and mm. taking those chances um that we that we're, we're creating because we're not creating too many and so the ones that we do create we're going to have to take do you think far am i passing that right far farky fark i want to make sure Farka, yeah. Farka. <laughs> there we go like uh like in meet the fuckers Farka. yeah <laughs> <Motherfucker>. yeah <laughs> But um, I'm curious, with him in particular, obviously you said already that like, you like him a lot as a coach. You think he does a lot of the right things tactically. Given the way that the team has been performing thus far, do you think he's built and earned the right to have the credibility to keep Norwich and kind of keep running the team for the next, whether it's a couple of weeks, you know, even given the results the way they have been, whether it's the rest of the season, or do you think at a certain point you have to pull, make a change? How does that kind of look like from your perspective and some of the other fans' perspectives? Um, from my perspective, I think he's earned the right to to get it right. Um, mm. You know, he's 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 done miracles really in the past, and he's given us two titles. And mm. the last time out in the Premier League, I think was a little unfair on mm. him. Um, you know, Stuart Webb, our sporting director, always said that the last time out, he sent him to war without a gun, right? Yeah, um, because we didn't spend any money, and largely we were playing in the Premier League with a with a team that had just won the championship and, and was conceding a lot of goals, but playing fun, fun attacking football. Um, this time round, we've spent about sixty million. We have signed some good players. He's definitely mm -hmm. got he's got the, the players to stay up um, and to win games. He's just got to find that balance, and that's that's what he's trying to do now. You know, it's like stop the rot, but also find the right the right 11 that you, you know can start every week and grind out a result or get something done you think that's uh, the same consensus across all the other no that no. you know i think this in the day in the days of social media now that we're in you know it's very common that you have a, the, the teenage keyboard warriors on a saturday afternoon just screaming <laughs> barker out or you, shit, <laughs> you know there's a, there's a lot of that and there's a lot of a lot of people who you know, think that you have a, a, a right to, to be in the Premier League and be winning every week and you don't. And it's, it's mm -hmm. you, you can't just throw, throw something away um, because it hasn't worked out in six games. You know, so uh, mm -hmm. there is definitely people that don't think he can do it at the highest level. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not one of those. I think I think he's, he's going to fix it. He's shown in the past that he's taken issues and uh, that, that where perceivably something has been broken and 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 found the balance and, and fixed it and i think he'll do that again with us here um yeah might take a few more games as i said it's a little after chelsea out of the way first but um you know i, I think i think he's, he's on the right track now he's just got to figure out how to sprinkle in the creative talent into a solid you know defensive foundation so do you think he goes and spends uh in january at all or you basically have the squad you think you're gonna stick with the whole season no, I think they have it. I mean, we spent a lot of money in um, mm -hmm. in, in the summer, so you know, he's def he definitely has a, a lot of players um, on the bench and around the fringes, and, and he's he's got a squad. Um, he's just got to find a good the good right eleven and 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 start winning games. Um, you know, it's, it's not just the balance; it's obviously it's confidence and it's 
motivation and everything else that he's going to have to dig deep to find. But um, he's done it before, so no reason to think he can't do it again. So with that in mind, <clears throat> I'm curious to get your bold prediction coming up. Where do you think Norwich ends up finishing the season? Or what are you hoping for? What are you expecting? Reverse, what are you expecting? Uh, if you'd asked me two months ago, I could have told you exactly. Uh, we would have been <laughs> mid-table. But what, well, I I, there you go. Like, I was going to say, in the beginning of the season, what were you thinking versus now? Yeah, I think we were confident going into the season. A lot of people were confident that we would spend money. We had some yeah. good, you know, some some talented players coming in that, that scored goals at other places, um, you know, and that we were going to be mid-table or be, we'd be fine. I still think I still think we're going to be okay, I, mm-hmm. you know. Again, there's a lot of people push the panic button very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always struggled in every campaign at the start, really. Um, it's taken a while to find his best team and his best balance. And this mm-hmm. has been especially hard you know, start of the season for the things that we talked about on top of that. Um, I, I think he'll get it right. I think, I think we'll start to pick up some points and start chasing those teams around as the Burnleys, the Newcastles. Um, in Newcastle now, it doesn't matter who they bring in as a manager. <laughs> They don't, I don't think they have the talent. Um, no. I don't think, you know, they're, they're going to have to, it's going to take them seasons and seasons for them to spend that money and become what they're going to become. Um, so I think Burnley is also there for the, for the picking. Um, Watford to a degree too. They've got a great manager now, but they, they can't spend money yet until January. Um, so I think we're going to be fine. I think we'll, we'll put a couple of wins together and we'll start to be a little bit more competitive and then it'll become a real, a real uh, race to safety. I was going to say the next couple of games, at least for you guys too, coming up after the Chelsea game, it's, it's Leeds. If I'm, if I'm reading the schedule, right. Leeds, Brentford, Southampton, Wolves, Newcastle, like right there. Um, right. Or else yeah. I there's that. a lot of winnable games. You're right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, that could be this run right there where everything yeah, comes totally to come together. Yeah. So. Leeds at home, Brentford away. Um, and then Southampton and Wolves at home especially tasty obviously you've got to be playing well to win those games there's no yeah. shit teams in the premier league there's no gimmies everyone mm-hmm. could beat anyone else on the day and teams we saw this past weekend where wolves came and you know came from behind and won three two against villa you know they're they're capable of being a very good team as well so you know but if we can step up another gear and and as i said find that creativity to to the solid base we now have um who knows we could put some results together you're right there's like maybe it could be potentially nine points right there in those six games. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. Do you think you can bring in players like Cantwell or Rashika as like the wingbacks that you're kind of seeing now, or do you have to switch up the formation and get them in there? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, you know, we, we have, I mean, our, our right back or right wing back, we play a three is, is Max Aarons. You're, you're not going to find a better one. We, no one wants to replace him. He's, he's fantastic. He's phenomenal. Uh, yeah. yeah, on the on the left side, um, Giannoulis is very good going forward. Um, not so good at defending. Brandon Williams came from Man United, is also fighting for that spot. Um, a little bit hit or miss with me. He's he made some some big mistakes in a couple of games that he played where he started, where, which did cost us goals. Um, so I'm not a massive fan of his. I think he is a good player, but he's not quite ready yet. Mm. Um, but we've got players sitting on the bench. I'd like to see come into that midfield three. You know, I think I think if we're looking at where do you add that creativity, you have to look at McLean and and um, uh, Pierre Lee's Malou's positions and say mm. that's where you're going to add it. Maybe maybe count well for McLean and just have have a player that is is a little bit more of a creative force in that three um, coming in to start with. 
and then seeing how that goes. Has Gilmore had a chance to play, or has he been hurt? First, first yeah, couple did. games. Yeah. yeah, and then he got dropped. Um, I'm not really sure why he got dropped. He, he seemed to play – he had one bad game, but he seemed to be playing pretty, pretty well. Um, mm. I, I would I would have him in the team over, over Kenny McLean right now. Mm. Um, not that Kenny's not a good, solid yeah. player. Um, I just think Gilmore is probably – has the ability to, to create a little bit more, be a little bit more box-to-box. Um, so – but yeah, as you said, you know, you've got some options on the bench. There's Gilmore, Rashidza, you know, mm. Jolis, Campwell. It's not like you're, you're not spoiled for, for yeah. attacking options. Yeah. I got you. What, um, so next next two, three years, what's the outlook for Norwich in your opinion? Oh, too hard to say. Either we'll be winning <laughs> the championship again or uh, <laughs> we'll be in the, still in the Premier League. You know, I think... Even if you stay up in the Premier League every year, it's just you're just fighting to maybe have one exceptional year and, mm-hmm. and maybe make the Europa League, right? I mean, anything else is just not uh, attainable. And I think, you know, that's that's a little sad to think, but money has ruined the game so much now that, um, you know, in, unless you're spending 300 million in, in every transfer window and paying wages of, of 200,000 a week, um, you're certainly not going to be competitive in the top four. So curious that you say that too. So I'm assuming you're familiar with like Brentford's story. Mm-hmm. Right? So would you be open to, and I'm not exactly, I'm not familiar with how Norwich scouts their players and what that process is like, but the way that they do like their money ball process. Oh, money ball. Yeah. I, would you, you know, be I, open to that kind of idea if you guys were on like a tighter shoestring budget and kind of try to pull that statistical kind of angle? I think everyone does that now. Um, maybe they do it. They take gambles more than most people on players based on on numbers. But but now every single team uses you know stat tracker vests. They they yeah. they know exactly they you know when they get numbers from a player that they're looking at. They know exactly what they can offer, mm-hmm. what areas of the field they work, how many tackles they put in, you know, how many assists they have. Are they likely to get assists? What's their expected goal? You know they they. they the numbers are out there already, and I think most clubs mm-hmm. have now data analysts and 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 folks that that kind of crunch those numbers to find players and players across Europe. They maybe they can improve on um, mm-hmm. Brentford. You know they've started great. Let's be honest, they've had a great start to the season. Um, but um, we've seen that before with Sheffield United, and then yeah. last season they went down. So it's 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 not always um, you know the short term. Um, mm. as, a, as a club, I think I, I love the way that Norwich is run, mm. that we're, we are self-sustainable. We're not in any risk of, uh, of, of going bust or having mm. to sell our best players or, and we're not gambling that if we do go down that we're going to have to like suddenly sell all those players that are on high wages. Cause now you can't afford it. It's, it's done in a, in a fashion where it's a slow incline. Mm. Um, but it's serviceable right so if you did go back down again you could very likely keep a lot of the players together um and still pay the wages and not have to worry about selling them because you can't make ends meet which is a lot of teams will just throw the book at it and and then worry about the debt later it's crazy i i never understood how some of them do that you mentioned uh uh earlier buying for whatever 1.5 million selling them for upwards of 30 to 40 in that range do you think one player like himself has such an impact that he's gone now that you're in the position you guys are in, like with creativity problems, or do you think you filled the role or filled in the squad enough behind him? 
It's actually really hard to say um, because a lot of people think that. And, and listen, you definitely miss his talent and you mm. definitely miss the relationship that he has with uh, Timmy Puki because, you know, they were on the same wavelength, right? He would find he would find those gaps where Puki would make a run and suddenly he would be on the ball. Um, it's difficult to say because we have changed our shape so that you sure. can't say that we've actually brought in a direct replacement for Emi Buendia because he played on the right of a three behind Puki um, with two two in the pivot role behind him. So we haven't taken him out and put someone there and said, hey, you know, here's your replacement. Mm-hmm. Compare the two. Um, we've, we've come out of the gate with a brand new shape and we're doing things differently. I think a lot of people thought Rashidza was going to be that person, um, but then the shape changed and and we had to start using different personnel. Um, we're going to think this, the shapes changed because of him, though? Like leaving? No, I don't think so. I, I, I honestly think Farker took a look at other teams and thought a lot of people are playing 4 3 3 and, and you know, 3 5 2. And he, wants to, he wanted to be able to adapt game to game and, and, and mm-hmm. play all the shapes, you know, match other teams. I think that's what he. He, he was thinking. Um, it definitely didn't change the shape just because Emi Wendy's gone. Um, you know, but it, it's it's hard to say. We, we do miss the goals, but would Emi Wendy be a successful in a four three three? Has he been that successful playing for a Villa so far? Uh, yeah, I think he's got one assist and one goal. Um, yeah. Um, listen, he's a wonderful player, but uh, you know, we could judge at the end of the season. Fair enough. Fair, very fair. We kind of gotta start wrapping up. Unfortunately, I could. T- I, I love talking to the 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 uh, the lower tier sides because the top six is always very different conversations from the guys in the mid table to like the relegation battle. They're way. I love these way better. But yeah. um, where could where can everyone find out more about you, the canary, the New York Canaries, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, well, we live at the Football Factory, which is Sixth uh, um, West Thirty Third Street uh, in mm-hmm. Manhattan, right below the gaze of the uh, Empire State Building um you can find us on facebook new york canaries uh at new york canaries on twitter mm-hmm. um we love people to come and join us and watch a game on a saturday the football factory for those who are listening to phenomenal phenomenal place have been there personally i got cursed out by a bunch of chelsea fans during a time <laughs> so, uh it was great and the beginnesses were phenomenal i know you were just rifling about that too james before we jumped on so <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the Football Factory, for anyone doesn't know, is run by uh, Jack Keane, who's a, a proud Irishman and a Man United fan, and he does like his fans. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to add, boys? All good. All good. Cool, cool. Up we'll the have, city. We'll, what's up? I said up the city. That's it. That's oh, all absolutely. I got left. We'll have all the links to everything to, down below in the comments for anyone that's uh, curious about the New York Canaries and also James himself, so... That'll do it for this episode of the Sunday League Screamers podcast and Hooligan Half Hour. Take a moment, like, comment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Apple. Follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers Pod for daily tweets about the Premier League, world football in general, United States men's national team. I'm your host today's show, Steve, with Vito or with Michael and James. <laughs> Signing off. <laughs>